Today, we have the opportunity to listen to a Living World Conversation archive with Fred Haberlein, a local artist and teacher, recorded in May of 2017. In 1971, Fred was taken into the Yaqui tribal community of Old Pasqua in Tucson, Arizona. He became known as Lightning Heart and danced for many years at Easter in the major ceremony of the Yaqui dance calendar. This conversation was recorded fresh after Lightning Heart's 46th visit to his home village, where these people actively teach their children to stand tall as individuals and as a collective community in the face of domination and intimidation. Lightning Heart danced a traditional dance to celebrate the return of life in the spring. The return of light, the triumph of light over darkness, good over evil. In April 2018, Lightning Heart transitioned into the flowering desert, Sewa, the Yaki heaven. The beautiful traditional Yaki springtime music you will hear in the introduction, Sewa Sewayo, is sung by Sony Rena, a peace chief and teacher of balance. Sewa Sewayo, Sewa Sewayo. Welcome. This is William Evans, and we're shifting gears. Our guest today is Fred Haberlein, an artist, a teacher, and a member of an ancient tradition that actively teaches their children to stand tall in the face of domination and intimidation. Welcome, Lightning Heart. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Can you tell us about the music we just heard as we opened? Well, that's uh, some of the springtime music of the Yaqui people. Sewa means flowers in Yoeme, which is the Yaqui language. And the flowering desert is, is what the Yaquis think of as heaven. They think heaven looks like the, the desert as it blooms in the spring. And you've just returned from your an, annual journey to visit the Yaqui people. Yes, this is my 46th year at the spring ceremonies at Old Pasqua, which is my home village in Arizona uh, at Tucson. And tell us what happened there. Uh, in terms of the ceremonies? Yes. Uh, well, every year there's a huge buildup to the ceremonies. There's a, a seven-week buildup uh, in which all of the dance troops uh, participate. Um, and then the, the week before Easter, the Easter week, there's stuff that happens uh, basically every day with various dance troops. And this, this builds up to a huge... Um, performance and dance on all day Saturday uh, before Easter Sunday, 
when uh, there's over 100 dancers representing the forces of evil. And they've taken over the village ever since uh, Good Friday evening, basically. Um, and, um, and three times they charge the forces of good down this big runway. And three times they're driven back with handfuls of flowers, cottonwood leaves, and confetti, which represent the return of life in the spring. And the name of that confetti is? Is Sewa. It, it, that's just Yoeme for flowers. And you participate in that dance ceremony. Yeah, I've, I've been, this is my 46th year. How old is this dance tradition? Well, the, the part of it, the, the Pascola dancers and the deer dancer that I'm with uh, go back uh, a couple thousand years. Uh, and this is a, a traditional dance that celebrates the return of life in the spring, the return of the light after the equinox. So it was always timed with the full, first full moon after the equinox. And so this ceremony stays current with what's happening in real time. Yes. Yes, it does. When, when the Spanish begin to interact with them, they build in some Christian tradition into the ceremony. Well, yeah, that, that happened actually a really long time ago. The Yaquis were first contacted by the Spanish, by the Spanish explorers in the 1500s, the mid-1500s. Uh, the Spanish eventually made a, a, a treaty with the Yaquis in 1610, but the Yaquis were independent uh, of the, the Spanish Empire uh, and were considered an independent people. They didn't have anything that the Spaniards wanted, and they controlled this huge, fierce country, uh, and so the Spaniards basically didn't want anything to do with them. How the Christian inclusion happened was through the Jesuits, where when the Spanish forces were first going up along the coast of what's called now the Gulf of Cortez or the Sea of Cortez, as they were exploring up that coast, these fierce Indians began to skirmish them and hit them from the sides until they got, got them angry enough that they tricked them into charging and they trapped them on a, a conical hill between two dry arroyos. And they kept them up there for three days till they ran out of water. Then the Yaquis went up with water under a flag of truce and said, you guys are crazy. Don't come into our country or we'll kill you every time. We know where the water is and, you know, don't do this. Don't send your soldiers. If you send anybody, send your teachers and your holy men, but otherwise don't send anybody. And they turned them loose. So the two Jesuit priests who were with this party asked permission to go back and talk to the Yaquis. And when these two guys walked back, they were welcomed. So they began to tell the Yaquis the Christian story, and the Yaquis said, oh, that's just like Maso, the deer. He gives himself in sacrifice to the people. The notion that a price has to be paid to pay for wrongdoing, well, that's what the Christ did. He said, I'll pay the price, so forgive yourself, forgive each other. And that's exactly what the deer does. And so they took that story in as part of their process. But then after 30 years, they were pulled out of there, and the Yaquis were on their they own. They being the Jesuits. Jesuits, yeah. And the Yaquis were on their own for several hundred years. Jesuits eventually came back after a couple of hundred years, and there was some contact with the Yaquis in their eight traditional villages up the Rio Yaqui. The Rio Yaqui runs right down the center of the Sierra Madre Occidental and then runs out to the Gulf of Cortez just north of Obregón. 
And what started things with the, the persecution of the Yaquis was after Mexican independence, after, after Mexico became a country. And the Mexicans declared the Yaquis Mexican citizens and tried to tax them. And the Yaquis wanted nothing to do with it. They said, wait, we're an independent nation. You can't tax us. And it started this war between the Mexicans and the Yaquis. The other thing that, that uh, made that worse was the Rio Yaqui was the only huge water source in all that area. And the Mexican government wanted the Rio Yaqui to build a big dam and then to do ditches and the irrigation ditches and head gates to, to completely irrigate that coastal plain north of Obregón, between Obregón and Wymas. And they wanted the Rio Yaqui, so they wanted the Yaquis out of the way because the Yaquis would not give them the water. And that's what started the war between Mexico and the Yaqui people. Wow. So this ceremony is about the return of the light and life after the darkness of winter. Right. And the village you go to is now surrounded by Tucson. Right. And how big a, an enclave do they have within Tucson? Well, there are three Yaqui villages at Tucson. Old Pascua, my home village, is a mile square. Uh, and it's now completely surrounded by the city of Tucson. So is Barrio Libre, or 39th Street, in South Tucson. It used to be outside of town also. And then it got surrounded by the city. And then there's a Yaqui reservation that was set aside out of the Odom reservation, the Papago reservation, southwest of Tucson, uh, off of Valencia Way, out there. So there's three main Yaqui villages in Tucson. And they got there because the Yaquis came up to escape persecution by the Mexican government during the war with Mexico. They were killing the Yaqui elders, or they were rounding them up and sending them to the Yucatan, to plantations where they would die. So a lot of Yaquis fled up to Tucson for, for safety. Uh, that was the very north, north edge of their traditional homeland. Their traditional homeland runs from Babokivari Peak, south of Tucson, south of Kitt Peak, on the edge of the Papago territory, the Odom territory. And then it runs all the way down to about to Obregón, to, to Alamos or Obregón in, in northern Sonora. And that's the traditional Yaqui homeland. And so how did you come to get involved with this, this well, village and this ceremony? Well, I was taken into the tribe in 1971. Uh, I was the assistant in the printmaking department at the University of Arizona, and my bachelor's degrees in sculpture. And I went downstairs to the sculpture studio in 1969 when I first went there. And here's this great-looking Indian guy standing over there doing sculpture. He was an amazing-looking fellow, and, and we met, and that became my Yaqui brother, Will Cosio. Amazing-looking in what way? Oh, well, he had waist-length black hair. He had Sundance scars on his chest. He was wearing uh, handmade Yaqui moccasins. And, um, and he was working on a knockout-looking sculpture. And so he invited you to the village. Yes. And so and I, this ceremony occurs on Easter. Yes, this, this is in the spring. And, and the name of the village means Easter. Yes, Pascua is Spanish for Easter. So this is the big event of the year. Uh, it is. It's, it's the big—this uh, it's, it's, is New Year's for us. 
this is is this is now New Year's for me and and for the occupant. Uh, because the new year comes with the return of life, with the triumph of good over evil, and and that's what happens in these ceremonies. This is William Evans. I'm speaking with Fred Haberlein about the Easter celebration he attends annually at Pasqua, Arizona, to dance with the Yaqui people. So tell me about the youth and their participation in this ceremony. Well, one of the great things about this is is that this is um, community at its best. These these are traditions that go back a couple thousand years, uh, and now the Yaqui villages have been completely surrounded by the city of Tucson. And if it was not for the dance vows and the dance calendar, the people would get absorbed into the city. The kids would get absorbed into the gangs. But Yaqui identity is maintained by the dance vows and by the dance calendar. So they know how important it is to the tribe. And so the dance societies do stuff all year round. There's stuff that happens with the solar calendar all the way through the year, but it culminates with this big spring ceremony that celebrates the return of life. And uh, they pass this on down through families and through the kids. So these dance troops that, that participate, the dancers go from big to little because there's all these young kids coming into the dance troops. And the traditional dancers that I'm with, there were four young Pascola dancers, seven years old, the youngest kid. So cute, man, oh man. And the tradition and the language then is carried on and maintained in this way. So these children at age seven Mm -hmm. begin to have a connected cultural identity with their village and their way of life. Yeah, it's from the time they're little kids. And they they have grown up with that, and now they're starting to manifest it in in the biggest ceremony of the year. Yeah, now that that I've been there 46 years, there's kids that I watched grow up that are main dancers now. Right. The other thing about maintaining uh, cultural identity is that both in Mexico, it's how they maintain their separateness from the Mexican government uh, up their homeland and their eight traditional villages. But also then in this country, you know, the Yaqui tribe has maintained intact because they produce these, especially this big Easter ceremony, is produced as a gigantic community event, but it's a spiritual event. And it's an event that everybody in the community participates in. And you've told me enough about this before that I think it would be important for us to to hear you talk about the experience these children have from the first time they can walk to participating in the in the confrontation of of evil and intimidation. Well, you know, it, it, it's this is the big the big ceremony for the year, and these little guys that were being trained at at the all night dancing, the Pascola and Deer Dance part of it, there was a little bitty kid who was barely walking. He wasn't even four years old yet, and he had his own little rattles, and he had all the movements down, and he was in this side of the ramada where he could see the actual dancers and get the main drumming from all of that, and he had all the movements and everything. And, you know, he was just barely walking, this little guy. And then, you know, he's falling asleep in his stroller 
to the sound of these ancient drums and rattles, you know. And as these guys grow up, then they realize how important their culture is to maintaining the Yaqui identity in Arizona and in the cities uh, and in modern life. Because these, you know, these are all computer savvy modern kids as well out there in the world, but they maintain their Yaqui identity through the ceremony. Can you talk about the part of the ceremony where they drive back the forces of evil? Give oh, us detail about that. Sure. Uh, the, there, there's over 100 dancers representing the forces of evil. And they are dressed in these traditional Yaqui costumes where the Yaquis figured out how to wrap blankets and then tie them with sashes to make both jackets and pants uh, in that way, these sort of pantaloons. Um, so that they're, they're wearing these blankets that are tied with these sashes. Then they have these amazing traditional masks that are usually either made of uh, javelina hide or deer hide or some kind of smooth leather. Uh, and then in modern times, they also make masks of anything that they think is evil. So they also will have things like uh, uh, politicians. And uh, a couple of years ago, there was an Arab suicide bomber uh, and things like that represented. And they have uh, crazed clowns, evil wow. evil clowns wearing clown masks with you know deer heads on top of that. And uh, so anything that they consider to be evil are part of this Chapayeca troop. But the, the power of it is really something because they march back and forth, back and forth up this runway lined with cottonwood leaves. And they clack these wooden swords and daggers together. And they're wearing these deer hoof belts. When they shake their hips, it makes this real sharp sound. Then they have these cocoon rattles wrapped around their legs that make a softer sound. So you got all these guys marching up and down going clack, clack, and this big drum and flute. And then all of a sudden they charge and they come charging down on this dividing line between good and evil. And and the runway you spoke of is the entrance to the church. Yeah, yeah. The the Yaqui church is an open air ramada that's at, that's at the west end of this runway that faces and it faces east. So when the demons charge, these little kids come running out of out of the church with these seven foot willow switches along with their godparents, and they line up along this big line. And then the deer dancer and the ancient dancers I'm with are there, and there's a mountain of of flowers and cottonwood leaves and confetti, and everybody's got handfuls of that. A so, mountain of sewa. Yeah, of sewa. And so when the demons come charging down, everybody starts yelling, Gloria, Gloria, and they start driving the demon demons back with these handfuls of sewa. So the third time after the third charge... All the impersonation of evil goes up in this gigantic bonfire with a big effigy figure full of fireworks at the other end of the runway. And all the masks and wooden swords and daggers get piled up there. And it goes up in this huge fire. And the guys throw the blankets over their heads and run for the safety of the Yaqui church. Then the deer dancer cranks up and the pascolas crank up. And everybody gathers up the sewa because that's what drove evil away for the year. And so every year I bring back a huge bag of sewa and distribute it to all my friends up here to bless new construction, kids, dogs, gardens, the checkbook, the bike pack, ski pack, anything that needs blessing. So this is a multi-generational response, a collective community response to the challenge 
of the evil and these demons coming up the runway. Right. Because the grandparents are right there beside the children. Right. And and so it's it's and some of the dancers, some of these guys that have been dancing all night for five nights are guys older than me in their seventies. Wow, yeah, you said there there was one man in your society who was over ninety. Yeah, Don Luis, the great deer dancer, danced until he was ninety two. And then he came back and sang with the deer dancers the next couple of years. And so sometimes there there are multiple dance societies you're telling me about. Yes. And or sometimes are all these societies dancing simultaneously? Yes, they are. Uh, the all-night dancing that happens all night Saturday night until dawn on Sunday uh, is both the Pascolas and the Deer Dancer. And then out front of that dance ramada is the Coyote Society, which is the uh, Warrior Society. And they have their own singer and drummer, and they do their own dances using bows and arrows out front. And then down in front of the Yaqui Church are the Marachine dancers who do these amazing trance dance things. There's, there's a 12-person troupe that do these repeated trance dances with these flowered wands and giant rattles and these flowered crowns that they wear. And then they do a maypole dance at midnight where they weave all these ribbons on this maypole that has a, a white cotton bird on the top of it that represents the clouds that bring the rain in the spring. Wow. So young children grow up participating in this from the time they can walk and watching this manifestation of community village strength. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, the only thing I know that's kind of similar to it is what I've heard about Bali. Where, where everybody participates in the spiritual dances and everybody makes their own costumes and their own masks and the carpenter plays one role and the, and the mechanic plays another and the seamstress plays another, but they produce this big community event. And this is community theater on a really big scale, you know, and everybody works together to produce this regardless of their community differences during the year and stuff. It, it, the whole community comes together to produce this event. And these people have never been conquered? Uh, no, not ever. It's funny these days because the Yaki Village, you know, it's a mile square, but it's totally surrounded by Tucson. Uh, and uh, to declare their independence from Tucson, they set off fireworks because there's no fireworks in Tucson. And so these guys set off these big fireworks right out of the plaza and right in the plaza during the fiesta. And uh, they do that just to declare their independence from Tucson. And uh, some of the big uh, fireworks have gotten bigger and bigger every year where there's those big mortars, you know, where it goes kapoom and goes way up. And then when it goes bam and goes off, car alarms go off for three blocks in every direction. <laughs> and the Yaquis think that's really funny. <laughs> from what you've said, I understand these, these youth are inoculated from some of the risks of gangs and and uh, tragic behavior in the youth in in Tucson itself, yeah, it 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 gives them a, a grounding and a, a basic set of uh, discipline that they adhere to because it's important to them. Because along with the dance vows, there's certain disciplines that you have to follow, and that's more important to them than being taken into the gangs. And gangs take people in because they don't have a sense of belonging and the gang gives them a sense of belonging. So that keeps the Yaqui youth basically safe from that. 
Well, this has been an incredible experience over your life, Fred. And so you, you've had a lot of time to observe this, participate, and, and take it in. Have you learned anything that's of, of relevance to our villages and cultures and the imit- intimidation and, and forces that we're subjected to? Well, sure, because, uh, you know, uh, this, this community, the Roaring Fork Valley, and especially Carbondale, is a community of consciousness and art. The Mountain Fair, I think, is a great similar example uh, of a community coming together to produce something powerful and valuable to the entire community. And beautiful. Yeah, and uh, that, that notion... It's also uh, the Yaqui people, as fierce-looking as they are on the outside, laugh all the time. They're really funny. (laughs) So are they playful? Yeah, very playful. Uh, Most of the Yaqui masks have uh, people laughing. So the mask you're holding right now as we talk is your laughing mask. Yeah, yeah. There's one of the Yaqui characters is called Laughing Man. And a couple of the masks that I have are Laughing Man masks. But even the ogre masks and even the goat boy masks are laughing. They're all smiling and laughing. And during the all-night dancing, the Pascolas are always making jokes and puns, both in Spanish and in Yoeme. So there's all this joking and laughing and stuff that goes on as part of the ceremonies. And the other thing is that the... The different kinds of music often overlays the other music, even you know, right next door to itself, where all the parts of the ceremony happen at once or overlay each other. But there's this sense of equality among all the people. There's there's a way that people treat each other that is uh, much less separated by age and much less separated by status than in our culture. Um, and I think that happens here. Wow. So although the the basic subject that you've described of this ceremony is very serious, it's it's all carried out in a playful, laughing way. Well, yeah, it's a joyful event because now the light has returned. The life has returned to the land. The desert has bloomed. The flowers are bursting forth. And so it's a joyful event. You know, the bad guys are vanquished for now. And so it's it's a time of joy and celebration. Wow, I can feel that that it's it's totally different if I step into a challenge and I'm having fun and playing at it. Yes, exactly. Thank yeah. you, Fred. You bet. That's wonderful. This is William Evans. You've been listening to Fred Haberline describe the Yaki ceremony and dance he returned from at Easter. Thanks, Will. This is KDNK. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Fred. Oh